You're listening to a Big Finish production. This is the Big Finish podcast, official release date 13th of November 2017. Hello there, I'm Benji Clifford and is it Nick Briggs? It is. Coming up in this podcast, Big Finish News, listeners' emails, our guest star interview, the Randomoid Selectatron, a roundup of the latest releases and our 15-minute audio tease. More details later and in the news, 99 Big Finish releases go on very special offer. The latest 6th Doctor adventure, the latest 2nd Doctor adventure, a new series of countermeasures and units face some old foes. And our guest star interview is with actor and writer Nigel Planer, probably most famous as Neil from the young ones which interestingly enough today mm-hmm. is the anniversary today the day we're recording this the 10th of november it's the 35th anniversary of the young ones wow yeah so like you know like just you know enjoy peace. the podcast peace yeah vegetable rights and peas was it was it uh, <laughs> we right like sow the seed nature right like grows the seed and then we eat the seed yeah, love it, love it. That's what I grew up loving the young I ones. was at drama school. Well, I was in my second year of drama school when that was on. Oh, greatest program. Great. I love it. That's that's my childhood watching that. <laughs> but anyway, yes. Uh, also, uh, Nigel Planer is a guest star in three Big Finish productions. Uh, the Eighth Doctor Crinoid Story, Hot House. H.G. Wells, The First Men in the Moon. And Classic Doctor's New Monsters, Volume 2. And our trepid interview, our intrepid, I said trepid, I think. I thought you, said, tre- I thought you said Trevor interview. Trevor interviewer. <laughs> is <Our> here. Intrepid- <laughs> Hello, Trevor uh, interviewer here. Uh, yeah, Trevor, um, are you doing any interviewing today? No, no, I'm on holiday. I'm, I'm going down to Skeggy for the weekend <laughs> with the wife. <laughs> okay, well, instead, we'll go to our intrepid interviewer, Karen Parks. Uh, she tracked down Nigel while he was recording his epic new series with Big Finish, Jeremiah Born in Time. Yet more news on that time-travelling extravaganza in the coming months. Also, 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 our 15-minute audio tease features Matthew Waterhouse as fourth and fifth Doctor companion, Adric, in the Doctor Who short trip, The Ingenious Gentleman Adric of Alzarius. And if that's not enough for you at the very end of the podcast, there's a bonus interview with Dan, 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 producer and director Andrew Mark Saul. Oh, yes, it's another bumper to bumper, bumpy old bumpy, bumpy podcast. Oh, and don't forget, right after the news, it'll be time for the next stunningly exciting installment of My Big Finish Life. But it's not My Big Finish Life. (laughs) Oh, no, 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 that's just the title. It's actually Nick's Big Finish Life. Do you want to tell maybe us a little bit about call, it, Nick? Maybe we should have called it that to avoid all the confusion <laughs> that this has caused. <laughs> Every week. But, you yeah. know, it's, it's not my life. It's nearly it's over. There's only two more weeks left of it. And then and then we'll be rid of it. And the podcast won't be so blooming long anymore. And what's happening this week on my, your Big Finish Life? <laughs> well, you know, it's, I'm not sure. Because, of course, there's two days left, but there's a weekend in the middle. And I did record some stuff on the... I don't, so I don't know. There's stuff. I'll explain it later. And so 
The news! First up, on the 17th of November, we'll be announcing the exciting news that 99 Big Finish releases are going to be on special offer in the run-up to Christmas. You'll have to look at the BigFinish.com website for details on the 17th of November, but the price is going to be incredibly low. The clue is in the 99 titles. 99. And it's a download-only offer. It's quite mind-blowing. Enjoy! Yes, that's right. Each release is going to be at £799. Uh, that's per 15-minute <laughs> segment. <laughs> no, it's not. Uh, so next up, the latest Sixth Doctor release out this week on the 16th of November is The Middle. Hmm, intriguing title. Here's the trailer. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions. Please, can I have a little more time? So many souls that pass this way do so with a courage you apparently lack. Doctor Who. The middle. Six. I love you, five, my darlings. I love four, you so much. Three, two, one, zero. Well, I'm close to the middle, but the doctor, that machine said he was at the end. Oh, doesn't sound too rosy, does it? The end? Is this what I think it is? Some kind of euthanasia program murdering the elders so the young can visit the spa? The end is just that. There is nothing more. over a silly little birthday. You have no right! Out of the frying pan, into the fire. Oh, maybe this really is it. Welcome to the end. Big finish. We love stories. Yes, and that's the middle. It's written by uh, Chris Chapman. Um, who I met through doing DVD extras. He directed the one about Death of the Daleks. That old, Stop that, old move. that old cracker. Stop the move. <laughs> and uh, because I, he was told that I had to be in it. The funniest thing is with all those with all those those releases like uh, the DVDs. I, I used to just buy them purely for the documentaries because I was a real saddo. There you go. Because you know they were. Have on... you seen the death of the Daleks? Of one? course, I watched it the other day actually because I was talking with Chris Chapman on Twitter. We had a little exchange, obviously about death of the Daleks. Yeah, it's a lovely chap. Biggest, biggest death of the Daleks fan in the universe ever, isn't that you, Nick? Uh, I think that's the credit. Also, <laughs> yeah, and also did, he decided, you know, gloriously to have the narration to the documentary. As a, a Dalek doing it, basically. <laughs> so oh, it's so good. Hilarious fun. Yeah, it was great, great. Anyway, so don't miss that. So there's, yeah, don't miss the middle. The sixth Next doctor. up, yes, that. Next up, it's so slick. This so slick, slickity, slickity, slick. Uh, next up, the latest in our series of early adventures. This time featuring the second Doctor and starring Annika Wills, Fraser Hines, and Elliot Chapman. Here is the trailer. Oh, Doctor, it's certainly London. Yes, so close, yet so far. I don't understand. Uh, uh, this is London. It's the wrong time, Jamie. Less 1960s, more 1860s. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions, 
Doctor Who, The Early Adventures, The Morton Legacy. Uh, yes, uh, that, that's right. Uh, we have come to see Mr. Morton's museum. Uh, we've heard it has quite the reputation. It's a rather eclectic collection. Aye, that's exactly what I thought. Fascinating. Quite fascinating. Murder is a very serious matter, Mr. Morton. <gasps> what are you? Keep away from me! <laughs> His death was very sudden and rather mysterious. Inexplicable, in fact. No! Keep away from me! Get back! Keep away! No! Big finish. We love stories. Oh, just nearly pulled my ear things out. Oh! <laughs> oh, there's nothing worse than that. Nothing worse. Don't miss it! Buck up! Did that once the other day. I was walking along and my headphones got caught in a, a door handle. And of course, oh, no. you know, when you walk along and suddenly, you, suddenly you're, you're consumed in your music and then it's gone. It is ripped from you. It's like those comedy things with the uh, the, the shepherd's hook in cartoons and it grabs you on the <laughs> yes. neck and you know, pulls Oi. you away. So, uh, yeah, next up, there's a new series of the new countermeasures coming up. The series features characters from the Doctor Who TV adventure Remembrance of the Daleks, which starred Sylvester McCoy as the Seventh Doctor and was broadcast in 1988. 88. Good year. Great year. Yeah. Great year. Uh, <laughs> the uh, adventures of Professor Rachel Jensen, that's Pamela Salem, uh, Group Captain Ian Gilmore, that's Simon Williams, and Alison Williams, that's Karen Gledhill, now working for Sir Toby Kinsella, uh, Q Ross, continue as they battle threats to England and the world in the 1970s. Yes, indeed. I'm working on the music for it now, actually. So uh, here's a really early, sneaky, peaky, clippy, whippy. I'm Sir Toby Kinsella. Pleased to meet you. This is a restricted site. You should not be here. On the contrary, we have clearance from your government. This is a shared Spanish and British research site. You! What have you got there? Cassette tapes and some papers. And mice. That is our property. You will leave it here for my men to catalogue. Take the things, Anison. Wait! Miss Lopez, was it? Yes. As I've stated, I have permission. It's not my problem at all if all the sections of your infrastructure aren't talking to one another, so I suggest that you get written statements saying my people shouldn't be here. But until then, you should leave us alone. This is not over. Stay here and I will be back. Mm, don't doubt it. So, uh, actually, that's the only episode I've finished so far. It's called The Splintered Man. Uh, but the really, really big news is that the Yeti from Doctor Who are returning in the fourth episode entitled Time of the Intelligence. It's by Hazeman Literary Estate Artistic Director Andy Frankham Allen, splendid fellow, and features a strange voice interrupting TV broadcasts across London. And bear-like creatures are raiding factories, stealing equipment and killing guards. Hmm, I wonder what all that can be about. Beyond exciting! You're on private property! I have to ask you to... Blimey! What in the name of... Ah! It's Winnie the Pooh gone wrong. <laughs> Yogi Bear out of prison. 
<laughs> oh, Yogi. <laughs> and finally in the news, uh, you may have noticed that the trailer for Unit Encounters is up on the Big Finish site. Yes, the unit team of Kate Stewart and the gang will be facing Daleks, Sontarans and their greatest threat to date. The episodes are... The Dalek Transaction by Matt Fitton. When a rogue guerrilla faction offer an alien artefact for auction, Kate Stewart and her team go undercover to the jungles of Central America. Invocation by Roy Gill. Osgood is working late and hears a voice from the skies making strange incantations. The Sontaran Project by Andrew Smith. On a routine <laughs> reconnaissance mission, Colonel Shindy finds more than he bargains. Four. Sorry, I cut out the last. Four. <laughs> <laughs> and False Negative by John Dorney. When a strange travel capsule is activated in Unit's laboratory, Osgood and Josh find themselves in a whole new world of trouble. And here's the flipping trailer. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions. Unit Series 5. They tell me you want to talk to me. Release me now. And you will be spared. You try to make a deal, Rebunante. According to the latest information, Gonsalves' group is heavily armed, aggressive, and quite possibly being backed by foreign secret services. So, they're not the small, under-resourced outfit they like to pretend. Nothing here is as it seems. Run! It worked! There must have been a camouflage shield around the ship. At least now we know who we're up against. I know a Sontaran scout ship when I see one. Do not move! Sontarans! I am Marshal Scar of the 8th Sontaran Battlefield. Take cover! Uh, a Sontaran does not hide! Troopers, engage the enemy! As Eildon lay dying, his last words were, I flee from the hand of the Grey Man. The, the Grey Man? Long, twisted fingers. Spectre numbers are increasing, we're getting people out of the affected areas, but if the ghost zone continues to spread, we'll have a mass riot on our hands. You don't like me, and I don't like you, but we've got to work together, all right? Since you asked so nicely... Osgood, you're back. How did you get away from the other? Mm, mm, mm. Am I glad to see you? Well, it certainly seems that way, yes. Big finish. We love stories. And we're in a whole new world of trouble, literally. And that is it for the news. I've put it in the boot of my car, which I don't actually own, sat in the imaginary driver's seat, put in the hypothetical key, and have driven it away to be here next week. Thanks, news. Keep it real. When you say you don't actually own it, does that mean you've stolen it? Uh, yes, I am uh, a thief. If you're listening here, I own a selection of fantastic uh, automobiles, uh, including a Sinclair C5 and a fleet of uh, mini mokes. Well, in that case, I must destroy you with this futuristic weapon. Oh, my God. Oh, now that is cool. Look at that. It's got a really... It's holding this amazing ray gun. And it's got a proper cool little LED light in it, which is flashing at the back. My son would be furious if he knew I was playing with this. He's gone to school thinking that uh, he's he's going to augment it by adding a... Uh, did you just uh, hit no, a, a that, key then? 
that was uh, Dean Mason's 52nd birthday has just popped up in the corner of my uh, monitor. The, the hilarious thing is I've got Dean Mason on my Facebook. I have no idea who he is. He's a friend of a friend, and I think I may have met him once. But Well, hi, fi- Dean. <laughs> happy 52nd birthday. Well done on reaching the, uh, your 52nd year. Uh, yes, um, my son's going to augment this gun by adding a toilet roll to the end of it. Oh, nice. little silencer, yeah. maybe. Yeah. I think you should spray it silver. I would suggest that, but it's a bit cold outside, and inevitably poor Steph will end up being outside. <laughs> oh, Steph, who, my wife, who's making vegetable soup for me. Ooh. Anyway. <clears throat> <laughs> and now then, as promised, the latest instalment of My Big Finish Life, which is not my Big Finish Life, it's Nick's Big Finish <laughs> Life. In which Nick decided to record a week and a bit of his life at Big Finish. Now, last week we had a day in the North Wales location for the classic ITV series The Prisoner. This week it's the journey back from Port Marion, uh, an interview with ex number two Darren Nesbitt, proof that Nick can never ever stop working, and the beginning of a studio session with the Seventh Doctor. Contain yourselves! It's very probably the most exciting thing that you will ever hear in the next 10 minutes. Ah, the gentle rain falling on the roof of the Port Marion Hotel. So yes, it's uh, Saturday morning. Um, I've been up since 7, virtually finished packing, have had breakfast. Uh, More stories from Darren Nesbitt. Um very entertaining he told us a lovely one about a monkey uh, (laughs) trapped in the gantries of the doctor who studio when he uh, filmed marco polo which was a 1963-4 doctor who story 1964 probably yes he filmed it or made it in 1963 although he thought it was 1962 but who am i to argue actually i did correct him that's how much of a nerd i am Anyway, so we are facing the prospect of our long drive back. Many of the, a number of the guests who came with us are refusing to go in the uh, mini van and uh, are travelling back at considerable expense on the train. I'll leave them to sort that out with network. Um, But yes, so just reflecting on yesterday, I'm really, really happy with the way it went. I didn't get to enjoy much of the event because I was editing the podcast. These things have to be done. I'm not moaning. I enjoy editing the podcast, particularly editing in all the little bits provided by Benji Clifford. I got him to uh, send a load of his catchphrases and let me know what he'd been up to because, of course, I couldn't drag him here. Um, No, I suppose I couldn't, could I? Maybe I should have done. I don't know. Um, what, What had been going on during the day? I think I've mentioned before about getting a writer to uh, help do a pitch for us for a particular franchise. Yes, I did mention that. I discovered uh, from Jason that um, he has got proper flu. He's, it's not just a you know man flu or a bad cold. He has really got the flu, so he's feeling absolutely dreadful, poor so-and-so. I told him to stop work immediately, and he said, oh, I can't. So that's Jason, you see. Just... Uh, it's the pot calling the kettle black, I suppose, but I, I, he just never stops, and I do worry about him because I love him dearly. He's a great friend, and, um, you know, I think he does push himself too hard. He's got too many responsibilities and 
too many uh, digits in too many pies, probably. But he does love it all. The brilliant thing about Big Finish for us is that, you know, we have a great working relationship with him. He largely lets uh, David Richardson and myself get on with doing it and we check in with him and make sure he knows what's going on and he has lots of input and suggestions and ideas for the future. But um, he trusts us, which is uh, a, a lovely way to work. Uh, I'm getting all philosophical. So yes, this is uh, yesterday was my birthday as well, as I may have mentioned, and I uh, didn't really get a chance to celebrate it, although I did have a drink in the evening with um, Mark Elstop few drinks uh, that was lots of fun um, if I'm honest slightly paying for that now but you know I'm old enough and ugly enough to take that punishment on the chin <laughs> so yeah long journey back I wonder whether I'll be able to get any work done I've got a schedule to do for a third doctor story I've got to finish that off so that um, David Richardson has a better idea for the casting uh, about you know which days people will be needed um, scripts to write other schedules to sort out I've just confirmed that Bonnie Langford is coming along on the uh, the Monday and Tuesday this coming Monday and Tuesday uh, she can't always make it because she's in a popular soap opera in the UK called EastEnders. And she doesn't find out until the Thursday before a week commences what her commitments will be. Luckily, really luckily, we're able to have her f uh, this time. But for the following week, who knows? And they'll let us know come Thursday. Um, but they're being very helpful, her agent. Uh, and I did send them a message just saying you know thank you very much really appreciate all this I've just filled out a, a booking confirmation form for that and sent it off this morning uh, literally just before I started recording this um, I think that's all for now I've, I've no idea what the journey holds for us I've taken my motion sickness tablets which prevent motion sickness and don't help to induce it um, at in the hope that it means I can concentrate on some work during the journey, although the, the room in the minivan is, is the, the amount of room available in it is quite restricted. It's quite difficult to get the computer in front of me. I'm going into too much detail. Anyway, that's all for now. And so we set off in the minibus, but later outside of motorway services. Uh, so, Darren Nesbitt, yes. can you uh, first describe what, what's been happening for the last couple of days? Bring, yes, and then bring us up to date where we are now. Right, what's been happening in the last few days is total, absolute confusion. <laughs> uh, as far as I could gather, nobody knew anything about what was happening, when was happening, who was moving, what we were supposed to be doing, and I was just putty. I was just taken, and that was it. And the state of the game is nobody actually knew what was going on. But here we are now. Yes. I don't know where in are we? A, in a lay-by somewhere outside Birmingham and um, I'm cold, I want to have a pee <laughs> and we will soon get in the Sharabang and hopefully return home. Um, have there been uh, any enjoyable high points? You, you've been able to uh, um, entertain people with some of your stories? Well, so they tell me. Uh, so they tell, and I, I've promised to, to be good, but I wasn't. <laughs> so the wife wasn't there so I could do what I wished but no no I love it because I, I tell it as it happened yeah. 
and uh, and it's fun. It's fun. They you, gasp, and it's fun. Do you? Uh, is there an anecdote that that you could maybe entertain us with now that went down quite well? Yesterday. Um, I mean, I'm sure they all went down well, but one that you know. Yeah, um, that I was the permanent number, going to be the permanent number two, and Magoon wouldn't have it, and the fact that um, and. Um, they said no, no, McGowan would have you as the number two. So, but you please keep this series, you know, this episode that was going to be introducing the number two. Anyway, so I said, yeah, fine. So the director knocked on the door and he said, hello, Darren. We've never worked before. Uh, this is a director has to say this to an actor, but do you know what the f- this is all about? And I said, I've got no idea what the f- this is all about. He said, well, they've told me I can go and see the first episode and that will explain everything. Go and have another breakfast. So I went and had another breakfast. He knocked on the door and I said, well, well, and he said, I don't know what the f- this is all about. <laughs> anyway, so I played my number two, totally unaware of what was going on. He had no idea what was going on. And McGowan said, what are you doing? You're playing him as if you don't know what's going on. I said, you don't know what's going on. The director doesn't know what the f- it's all about. He doesn't know what the f- it's all about. I don't know what the f- it's all about. And I'm playing him as if I don't know what the f- it's all about. <laughs> so if you don't like it, go f- yourself. <laughs> well, you always had a little bit of a, a to-do, because yeah. I'd done Danger Man, and, but he wouldn't have me. He wouldn't have probably a very wise move. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, before yeah. you go to the loo, yeah. um, and I think I will too. Yeah. In a different cubicle, obviously. Uh, um, what, do you have any recollection of doing your two big Finnish recordings, the Doctor Who recordings you did with us? No. no. Vaguely. Yeah. Vaguely, but no. Well, Just, they were very good, anyway. I, 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 oh, I'm glad to hear that. I One mean. was called Spare Parts. Was it? Uh, it was about the creation of the Cybermen. I and can't really remember. Yeah. No. But I'm glad it was good. Yeah, yeah. And you were a great company. Oh, great. <laughs> Anyway, thank you. That's my pleasure. Let's go and have a wee. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> I can't emphasise enough what fun Darren was. Anyway, after that was all over... Right, I'm heading back to the minibus. I can see Fenella Fielding just getting in. Um, managed to do a little bit of work on the journey. I um, did uh, finish the schedule for a third Doctor story. A bit of script work as well, so... Oh, and some emails on 4G. Cheers. Right. Yeah, hello, hello. I'm talking to myself like a madman. Marvellous. Stupendous work. So, sort of the final leg of the journey. Yes, we're nearly there. Inching towards Damascus. (laughs) That was Mark Elstob there, our number six from the Big Finish Prisoner series. Eventually I got home, but the next day... It's Sunday evening. I've tried to have the day off. My wife told me I should have the day off. (laughs) I haven't had the day off. I have done some day off sort of things. I watched Assassin's Creed which I quite enjoyed. I didn't find the ending very satisfactory, but, you know, the journey was quite good. Um, But I was tempted into doing some work stuff. 
this is really a, a diary of my problem with workaholism, isn't it? Um, so the recording tomorrow and uh, Tuesday of Red Planet, I was just doing a, a little bit of last minute uh, belt and braces, making sure stuff. I had a little email exchange with Bonnie Langford, just making sure she knew exactly when and where she was needed tomorrow. I think it's uh, 11 o'clock at the Sound House. And, and she was fine about that. And she got back and said, oh, I'm just marking the script up. Oh, looking forward to seeing you. That was nice. Um, and Sylvester just making doubly, doubly sure that Sylvester uh, knows his call time and that he's going to the sound house and not the moat. That's my big worry that Sylvester, who normally records at the moat, will just understandably on instinct go to the studio he normally goes to. But we've uh, Jamie Anderson, the director, and I have, have toured him several times. So fingers crossed, eh? Um... I didn't have to remind Sophie because Jamie sent me uh, his correspondence with her where it was amply clear that she was very, very certain about where and when she needed to be. Also had a little conversation on email with uh, Bonnie about photography tomorrow. I'll be using my... My wife has lent me her rather super-duper um, digital SLR and so I'll be using that to take some photos. Uh, what else work-wise have I done? Oh, I've I've read uh, um, through my um, proposal for me for my original Big Finish series, which I'm hopefully signing the contract for soon. And I have been listening to some sound design for a story that's coming out in January, a Tom Baker one called The Sons of Caldor, which is very good. And I've give, given Jamie Robertson... Um, my response to that and there's largely no notes really so I'm really looking forward it's, it's an excellent piece of work he's done great script by Andrew Smith and so I've said you know on you go with the music mate and let's hear what happens um, yeah that's all the work I'm confessing to it's sounding quite unhealthy isn't it anyway so up very early tomorrow six o'clock in the morning tomorrow to uh, get to the studio ahead of the if, if I leave later I just encounter all sorts of appalling congestion on the tube if i if i uh get the 715 train i manage to sort of get um get there ahead of all the terrible terrible squash and rush and then i can just go into a coffee shop and do some work there and then have it, head over to the studio early. I'm not sure what time Jamie is getting to the studio. Uh, he comes to stay in, Lon in London while he's directing, so he may be staying at a hotel nearby and can pop over for a chat in the morning. Anyway, uh, nearby to the studio, I mean. Um, that's it. Uh, I shall try not to do any more work. Uh, I've just been copying audio files over. Got to stop working. Stop! Miraculously, I managed to allow myself a slightly later start... It's Monday morning. I'm just heading into uh, the sound house now after a cramped journey on the tube. Just picked up my breakfast of a smoothie and some melon. <laughs> I'm sorry if that sounds insufferably healthy. Be interesting to see whether director Jamie Anderson is here. And so I head down the road from North Acton Tube into the sound house. It's actually quite a bright day today. Oh, so far. 
where I anticipate seeing Freddy, who uh, runs everything at the Sound House. Hello. How are you? All right. How are you? Am I the first one? I feel like I'm horribly late. That's because I arrive a lot earlier normally. Oh, yeah, it's successful. Yes. And very soon, director Jamie Anderson arrives. Hello, Jamie Anderson. How are you? How was your Sunday lunch? Oh, it was really good, thanks. Sorry for interrupting it. It's fine. I went away very quickly. You did. I tried to FaceTime Jamie on the Sunday. Where are you staying? Um, I can't remember. Uh, somewhere in North Norway, actually. I found a really good deal at a hotel. Part, I want to say Park Royal. Is that close? No. It's not anyway. the one in um, Shepherd's Bush that we sometimes use for some actors. No. Think so. No, God, okay. Thank you very much. You know, this is a very strange coincidence that's happened here. What's that? Is that uh, I've also come with a plastic punnet of fruit, like yeah. you have. Look at us. <laughs> I'm doing this thing of a few days of my life for a sort of thing in the, the podcast. Oh, mm. yeah, too. Bit of variety. I'm turning this off. Enough of that nonsense. Then Bonnie Langford arrives. Hello, my dear. All right. Good, good. Good. Sorry, I just wanted coffee. Coffee. I need coffee. This is Chris. Hello, Chris. Nice to meet you. Genevieve. Hi, Genevieve. It was Jeffrey Holland. I don't know whether you know that actor's name. Oh, he's been around for years. But anyway, they had a chat. Nick, could you do the honours? Well, I'll do the door. It's Sophie Aldred. I have got free hands. I've got two hands, actually. I can use my bum for this one. Whenever I see Bonnie, I just have to catch up. It has to happen, doesn't it? I'm just going to do some little snap around. It's quite good because our our oldest children are pretty much the same age. So it's really sweet. We've always had this kind of... You know, we have to have a catch up about what's going on. Schools and various things. <clears throat> have a nice scene. Pardon? Have a nice scene. Oh, thanks. I've got my cans on, so I can't hear you, love. Hello? Hello? So there you are, the first day of a story called Red Planet. Is that a scoop? Fool. Maybe it is. I know I said Sylvester McCoy was going to feature, but he hasn't arrived yet. But don't worry, he'll be with us in the next exciting instalment of My Big Finish Live. And there you have it, yeah. So, um... I'm sorry about all Darren Nesbitt's swearing. I've had to I had to bleep all of that. He, he he's I said as you heard um 
tell tell me your favorite anecdote because he is anecdote central he just never stops anecdoting you know you say good morning darren ah oh, morning i remember a morning once when the morning was so morningy there was morning everywhere and the thing is that dustin hoffman said to me good morning and uh, you know it's just it goes on forever and i said tell me your favorite one and of course he chose the one that had all the swearing in because he thought that was funny and i was thinking mm, this is going to go well in the podcast so hence all the bleeping <clears throat> time now for listeners emails Welcome to my world, a world full of emails. It's very nearly heaven. And all you need to do to take part in my world is email us at podcast at bigfinish.com. That's P to the O to the D cast at B-I-G finish dot C to the O to the M. And in this case, it's in bold and underlined. How wonderful is that? <laughs> so That for- just happened. That just happened by default. <laughs> just happened. Things happen. And, and that was one of them. That yes. Was- but it looks good. It's got a nice official look there. So first up then, this one is from Andy Scott. Hi, Nick and Benji. Well, this is wonderful news. The continuation of Star Cops. It won't be easy. Are we, we're not having the theme tune, are we? No, we're not. No. So Because really everyone hated the theme tune. It really won't be easy. <laughs> uh, I, I love the series when it was originally shown and recently watched the series again. And it's great to see it returning. David Calder's voice is perfect for audio. I loved his Dixon of Doc Green with David Tennant. Oh, that was a, he did a Radio Four play of Dixon of Doc Green years ago, and David was in it, and it was fantastic. Oh, I love a bit of Dixon of Doc Green. I've not I've not heard that. I love the original. Oh yeah, the old end screen there. Good night. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I love it. Nice all. Yes. Evening all. Night Evening all. all yeah. yeah. And he used to do a little sum up at the end. And go. Well, he got his comeuppance, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> That's what happens to wrong'uns. Don't have nightmares. No, he didn't used to say that. <laughs> that that was a crime watch, wasn't it? Don't have nightmares. Don't have nightmares. Don't steal sweets. <laughs> they they had him... Um, who played Dixon of Doc Green? A Jack legend. Warner. Jack, Jack Warner, Warner, yeah. yeah. Uh, and they had... They were so popular, the, the series, that they had him play the desk sergeant, Dixon, Um so long he was like way beyond a policeman's retirement <laughs> age you know he was like well into his 70s and I think they were retired policemen uh, in their mid 50s I think I was so, like, I always like that the sort of policemen seemed so sort of it was all so twee back in the day I, my um, my grandfather he was a policeman and he only ever used his truncheon once in his whole yeah. time in the police force and that was to, <laughs> to smash uh, a window of somebody's porch so that he could let them into their house <laughs> because ah. they'd lost their keys. Then he got done for burglary. Yeah, yeah, and then that's why he's let out of the police force now. I mean, if I had a Porsche, I wouldn't want someone smashing the, the window. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Good dear. Time. Police dear. banter, police banter. Have you heard that awful old joke that reminds me of, uh, that uh, a man comes around to do some uh, painting for someone? Uh, on the house and the guy says oh well, um, would you paint the as well as the windows could you paint the porch as well he goes yeah, yeah fine uh, and then the guy comes back and he said did you do everything he said yeah it's only one thing uh, about the porch he said yeah he says I painted it but it, it wasn't a porch it was a Lamborghini oh, oh no <laughs> so he's painted his car <laughs> anyway uh, and it, I bet you that's happened at least once yes uh, uh, hold on that That's is the sound of the inevitable happening of 
the inevitable results of painting a Lamborghini. Yes, you get zapped by a ray gun. Okay, uh, what's so the, Bob, back, the rest of this? Back yeah. here to, uh, to Andy Scott's uh, email here. Uh, he said, I assumed a second series would have been set heading to and on Mars. Do you have any plans to set further series on the Red Planet? Well, I asked, I asked David Richardson about this, who's producing it, and he said rather cryptically, I think it's fair to say that at some point in the ongoing series, that will happen. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, so thanks for that yeah. one, uh, Andy Scott. He, says, he signs off here saying, Well done, and thanks for bringing this back. Brought a smile to me. Take care, Andy Scott, sent from my iPhone somewhere on the galactic rim. Uh. <laughs> right next up this from adam graham uh to the right honorable earl benjamin <sighs> clifford it. and to the honorable nicholas briggs member of parliament for peas <laughs> pottage <laughs> i was driving in the car with my wife wow thanks very much adam that's a great email. <laughs> oh sorry there's more um she's not a big audio drama fan like i am but i was listening to the music suite from the first eighth doctor time war set and she commented on how nice it was and said it would be great music to write by big finish does such a great job with the music suite it always makes for a great listen at the end of so many sets however i rarely get to listen to them more than once because i have the app and delete them to make room for something else um, i thought it would be interesting to download and save them so i could play them later and play them often however to do so would require downloading the entire mp3 zip file for each production unzipping the file finding the track with a music suite on it saving it and then rinse lather and repeat with all the hundreds of big finished products i've downloaded um, it may be a good idea to make the music suites downloadable as single files on the website as you've done with the unit box set or the latest first doctor companion chronicles or better yet maybe make the music suites arrange in the app just imagine out of curiosity what made big finish decide to offer the music suites uh, it's a very sweet extra oh sweet mm. play on words there extra gift was that a sports car whizzing past it there? i can't see it sounded like james bond turning <laughs> up uh, it's a very sweet extra gift to your listeners even if we can only hear it once my favorite sweets are from treasure island and robophobia sincerely adam graham boise idaho united states earth one p.s i finally got into listening to paul temple uh, an old uh, radio for um, a bbc radio um, series by um, francis durbridge and listened to the van dyke mystery from 1950 with kim peacock as paul temple and was pleasantly surprised to hear none other than roger delgado in the cast a very pleasant treat always a pleasant treat to Absolutely. hear roger delgado oh what a brilliant master he was you will obey me uh, you will obey me we're all doing our uh delgado <laughs> impersonations rather lamentably i would say now what will i go back to the music suite thing now the thing is um there's a whole business about having extra downloadable material available through the app we haven't developed that yet. It's quite a thorny problem, and we're going to do it later. There's too much on our plate at the moment. Um, so those extra downloadable files for Unit, you wouldn't be able to get those through your app, I don't think. You'd have to download those from the website, and then you could... I, I don't know whether you can put them in your app then. I don't know. But anyway, uh, the reason we did it is, you know... Um, two things really we want to give you as much extra material for free as possible and also the uh, composers are all rather keen to get their music out there 
Uh, I think that, you know, some of them do the most amazing work and it's often, and it supports the drama beautifully, but it's buried behind the drama and it's nice to hear it uh, out in the open. On the other hand, my music, I'd rather it was buried behind the drama. It works fine there. I get very shy about it being heard out in the open. I don't open. know, Nick. I rem- they forced me to do it for the last countermeasure. I remember but, so. when I first started working on Survivors, one of the key things I was really excited about was just to be able to hear the isolated score. I was like, oh, yeah, re- really? I was really excited about that. But you are a weirdo, I am, I aren't am you? a freak of nature. <laughs> Um, but the other thing I would say uh, as well to this, Adam, is that you can also, if you look at, if you've got particular composers that you like, a lot of the composers upload little bits and bobs onto their SoundCloud pages. SoundCloud, yeah. And so you can find quite a lot of stuff which might not even be released as, like, extras on CDs. You can find quite a few little nuggets on SoundCloud. And a lot of the time you can download them as well. So well well yeah. worth a, a little looky there. And Adam also had an extra thought. He wrote another email quickly afterwards saying, also, if you have the rights, maybe you could feature a suite of Big Finish uh, release in each Big Finish podcast right after the drama tease, particularly if Ran chooses a release with a music suite included. That's certainly something we can do. We've got an interview at the end of the podcast, this issue, um, one with uh, the producer of Dan, Dan, Dan. Um, but uh, that's something I could look into for future podcast just put a music suite on the end i do you know i'd considered that before but sort of never got round to it nice idea adam we absolutely can do that and next up then this is from the mysterious alfie webb also known as the elbow of rassilon <laughs> <laughs> what a title what a fear fearful uh, title there or fearsome rather oh it's not fearful <laughs> uh, dear nick and benji Firstly, a whopping great thank you. Uh, It took a few years, but the digital revolution has finally reached me in deepest, darkest Dorset. That's where I live. And the, uh, the Big Finish app has changed my life. It's like a CD in your phone add it to the uh, MR51 to 100 price slash and I get a portable McGann. Super. On a similar note, I recently started listening to your fabulous podcast. It always makes me laugh. Uh, it sounds like I said it. It almost makes me laugh. <laughs> almost. It always <laughs> makes me laugh. That's better. And, uh, I have especially enjoyed the ongoing saga of Nick's transportation difficulties. <laughs> Perhaps Thanks. the My Big Finish Live segment could be extended to other Big Finish personalities. Do you know, I don't think anyone else is boring enough to want to let people know about their life in big footage if i say look here's a digital recorder can you record everything that happens to you for the next seven days i can just imagine sue cowley uh, ian atkins uh, and and paddy freeland looking at me he's like uh, i'm busy nick can you not bother me with this rubbish <laughs> you just get or you just get the opposite uh yeah so i i actually i skipped the alpen bar today it's a bit naughty and uh, i actually went for a, a packet of uh, ready salted crisps <laughs> what am i like yeah, maybe, maybe not. Who knows? Who knows, eh? Uh, finally, I have one suggestion that's been knocking around my head for a while. Uh, with your HG Wells line wrapping up soon, the Classics range has a whopping great hole to fill. Please, please take your Big Finish Magic to one of the greatest novels ever written. George Orwell's 1984. There are so many brilliant actors that you could draw on, David Warner or the aforementioned McGann as Winston, perhaps, uh, and Louise Jameson or even Lisa, first lady of Big Finish Bowman for Julia. 
dropping Colin Baker as O'Brien, and no self-respecting listener could resist. Anyway, I'm dragging on, so just keep up the good work. Please consider Mr. Orwell and buck up, Alfie. Thanks, Alfie. It's a rights issue. You know, um, if you might have noticed, there's all the stuff in our classics range are out of copyright. That's the main criterion. Yeah. And finally, this one from May Lewis. Hello, Nick and Benji. I first wanted to say how much I'm enjoying listening to some of the older main range stories, including Cradle of the Snake, as Janet Fielding's portrayal of a dark Tegan has always been one of my favourite things about the Fifth Doctor era. I just love how Big Finish is a chance for storylines and ideas from the classic series to continue on. I tried to be creative in my questions for this email, but then I realised that there were some really basic questions that I would love to know the answer to. They may not be the most unique questions, but uh, genuinely interested in seeing your answers. One, which doctor would you most want to travel with? Got to be John Pertwee, the third doctor. I love the third doctor. Type of guy you could sit sit down, have a glass of wine with, maybe a bit of cheese. Go on, <laughs> go on a bit of a bit of a crazy adventure. Well, this gorgonzola is delicious. Oh yes, R- rather wonderful vintage. Um, <laughs> he's, he's, he, John Pertwee is the was is is the man and the third doctor was my first doctor if that makes sense so yeah. i'm gonna have to roll with that one what about you nick uh well my favorite doctor is patrick troughton so i'm gonna say patrick troughton although i kind of i love them all yeah yeah but yeah yeah i think he was the most protective and uh, reassuring for me i think at the end of the uh, day if, if they if if if, if the tallest land of the door open i wouldn't really care who, who comes out really it's not going to bother no, me too uh, much. I want someone who would uh, be nice <laughs> uh, and not freak me out. Uh, question two. Which monster would you most want to face? Well, it, if it were real life, none of them. No, that's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be fascinated to meet a real Dalek from a distance. Yeah, sort of from the other side of the universe through a, <laughs> through, through a looking glass. Through um, a very I- long telescope. I mean, obviously, the Daleks are, are a great one to go with, but may, maybe I, I would go for something. I, I quite like to. I quite like to to see a Cyberman. I quite like to kind of take take that in, actually. And just obviously one of the Moon-based ones, ideally. That would just be because I can just imagine they're re- they're really quite strange. Or maybe no, maybe the ones with flares. Actually, oh, I'd, I'd ask them who their tailor was. The beacon is ours. No, not those. <laughs> no, sorry. <laughs> yes. So the next one is a great question here. Where in the TARDIS would you like to travel? Where? The boot cupboard. Oh, is it inside? I think it means where the, you want the TARDIS to take oh, I see. you. you see, oh, I see. Oh, well, uh, yeah, well, that's that's not clear. That's not clear, May. Um, <laughs> I want to go to the boot cupboard. Um, boot <laughs> I'd like cupboard? To, I'd like to go and find that Exelon that's lost in the corridor somewhere. <laughs> Just to prove everybody he is still there. Um, but where would I travel? Mm. Well, Benji and I were having a conversation about history before we started because we are that interesting and uh, and how smelly it would be. So I certainly actually <laughs> wouldn't want to go back in history because personal hygiene was not a not a priority uh, previous <laughs> to uh, the maybe I'm saying maybe the 20th century before the 20th century it was all a bit smelly a lot of the 20th century was a bit smelly so I, I would be fascinated you know with a nose peg to go back and, and witness various pivotal events in the history of mankind that could but, be the, uh, the name of your new series P- 
pivotal events with a nose peg. Nicholas Brick <laughs> travels various events through time. I did while I was it's, on it's board. It's very good over here. I have to admit, the uh, Trafalgar's not, not quite as interesting as I'd hoped. <laughs> but I did while I was on HMS Victory recently, the flagship that you know helped defeat uh, the French fleet in 1805 and save Britain from being invaded by Napoleon's forces. Um, I, I did suddenly think while I was on the ship, I thought, what if I was suddenly transferred in time and I was suddenly in the middle of the battle? It would have been horrific. It would have been very I'd well. Have... You'd go as far down into the into the, the storage cabin of the, the ship as humanly possible and sort of cry wouldn't you <laughs> yeah you would you would and it would be particularly smelly and unpleasant down there because that's where they were did all the hacking off of wounded limbs down there oh, anyway so um where have you said where you want to i i'll tell you where i'd like to go i i would like to go Exelon. <laughs> absolutely i'd love that although i can imagine there's not an awful lot to do um just play with not some really. sand or something i think i'd yeah. like to rock over mine to... some perineum <laughs> Yeah, and then and then sell it for lots of money. Come on, you idle, idle, idle! <laughs> that's, that's Galloway yeah, talking. Come on, where are you hiding? Um, I'd like <laughs> yes, to sorry. go to the Roxy Theatre. It's nineteen seventy-seven, I think it is, or 70, it might be seventy-six. I think it's seventy-six actually. Um, for the, it's an amazing gig. It's basically the Anarchy in the UK tour, the opening night, which oh. featured the Sex Pistols, the Damned, the Clash, and Johnny Thunder and the Heartbreakers. Who Johnny Thunder's uh, is. Uh, member of the new york dolls which are another awesome american punk rock band so but that for me is like like a mashup of just like the music that got me into music i just i was a massive punk when i was a kid so for that that would be like about 20 years too late 20 years too, absolutely so that would be that would be my gig and maybe maybe i'd go i'd probably go there with uh with with um Peter Capaldi's doctor. I mean, he, he looks oh, like yeah. he looked like he'd be game game for that. Peter Capaldi was in a punk, he was in a punk rock band anyway. So yeah. so you know, I reckon he'd be game for that one. Uh, I, I love a good bop around the uh, the auditorium. <laughs> Look if over there, the it's Doctor Susie Who universe. <laughs> if you were in the Doctor Who universe, what kind of role would you like? Uh, the doctor, sausage, obviously. probably. I don't quite understand the question. I don't know whether people know, people outside the UK know what a sausage roll is. I don't think people up north know what a sausage roll is because it's sausage bap, a sausage cob, sausage. Yeah, but a sausage roll is is baked in pastry. Yes, yes, it is. Not not like a, a bread roll. No, you're right. You my, right. my friend Joe Kramer, who's one of our brilliant composers, he's fantastic. He's done all sorts of brilliant stuff like Mission Impossible and Jack Reacher. Um, when I met him for a meal, uh, when he came over uh, to the UK, um, we went into a restaurant that specialises in very well done traditional English food. So he thought he'd dive in and for a starter, he had a sausage roll. <laughs> and to see him tackle the sausage roll, he had clearly never seen the like before in his life, but he made, uh, you know, a, a good fist of it and, and, and got it all sorted out. And I said, what are you thinking of that then, Joe? He's like, yeah, it, it, it's great. <laughs> yeah. uh, I could tell he hated it, but um, it's, not, anyway. it's very odd. It's very, it's quite an eccentric thing, really, isn't it? It sausage is. Roll. My mum is always making sausage rolls. I went to visit her the other week, and she baked a load of sausage rolls. Amazing, yeah. beautiful pastry she makes. But uh, yeah, 
Sorry, why am I talking about sausage rolls? Oh, because you mentioned it. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't quite understand. What kind of role would you have? I, I, what does that sort of... Does that mean, like, would you want to be a monster or, or a Yeah, hero yeah, or? obviously the doctor. You'd want to be the doctor, you, wouldn't well, you? Yeah, I think everybody would want to be the doctor. If not, yeah, obviously a monster, I think. Yeah, you're like. not going to say, I want to be K9, are yeah, you? Yeah, I, I want to be the hat stand. Um, I, yeah, probably, probably some kind of maybe a villain or something, or maybe actually no. I just want to be a supporting actor that says, "Don't be a fool," because that would just make me so happy. Just, just once, don't be a fool, you Brilliant. fool, oh, for pity's sake. Yeah, for pity's sake. I love to get that in my third Doctor when I, when I wrote the third Doctor script. You know, the Dalek one. I, I had the Doctor say, "For pity's sake, man." I think my favourite was it. What's the other way he says? Oh, for heaven's sake, stop wittering on. <laughs> <laughs> Which is very appropriate to this podcast. Uh, May <laughs> continues and concludes. Uh, you don't have to answer all the questions. What? We've just gone to the bother of answering them all. Uh, I just want uh, again to say thank you for continuing on the stories of beloved characters. And I hope Big Finish carries on forever from May Lewis. May, that is a lovely thought. I don't think I've quite got it in me to go on forever, but certainly for the rest of my life. Yeah, I hope it goes on f- for that long. Otherwise, I'll probably just have to work in Asda or something. And, oh, yeah. <laughs> kind of, I don't know what I'd do. I'd probably get some free time or something. And I'd, I, I'm telling you now, I have no idea what to do with that, which is the subject of an ongoing debate with my wife. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> in that laughter was so much pain. <clears throat> you could hear just the howling of, uh, oh. of, yeah, of, of what sounds like a sort of dog thank you thank you very much and that is the end of the emails they have been shot by the ray gun of truth and have been <laughs> excommunicated by the power of crawl crawl good enough for me <laughs> the emails are over benji just get it out of your system carry on nick so now, time for our guest star interview. It's with actor and writer Nigel Planer. You may well know him from The Young Ones, as previously discussed on this very podcast. Uh, but he's done tons of stuff. Nigel reveals shortly how he and I met. And I must say, he makes a glorious number of beautifully non-Doctor Who fan mistakes <laughs> in all his references to Doctor Who. You've got to listen to it, Benji. It's hilarious. He, it, it, it gets all the names wrong. He gets the wrong doctors. <laughs> it's just amazing. Anyway, have a listen. You'll spot them straight away. Anyway, uh, delightful fellow. One of my favourites, and he's written a superb new series for Big Finish called Jeremiah Born in Time, which is out next year and has a stellar, stellar cast. Uh, More on that story later. We haven't really, we mentioned it in a podcast a while ago, but we haven't really done a news story on it yet. Uh, But in the meantime, just sit back and relax and listen to a jolly interesting interview by our intrepid reporter, Karen Parks. Oh, and by the way, uh, the odd interruptions are by (laughs) Barnaby Edwards, who was anxious to get Nigel back into the studio. I am pleased to be sitting here with Nigel Planer. Hello. Our executive producer, the illustrious Nick Briggs, wants to know, when did you first meet him? I first met Nick on, uh, it was some years ago now, it was in the rehearsals for Doctor Who Live. Um, He was playing among other characters, Winston Churchill. And I was playing Vorgensen, who hosted the show, which was a big stadium live show, playing in front of 7,000 people. Um, And my character, Vorgensen, had a big laser glove 
which uh, recreated all the monsters, the Silesians and, and the rest, and um, captured the Doctor, who was played by Matt Smith at the time, and um, put him in his collection. He's actually Vorgensen, son of Vorgan, who was uh, in, a, I, think, I believe it's a Patrick Troughton episode, who did a similar thing, had a sort of zoo of Time Lords and captured the Doctor and put him in as an exhibit. And Vorgensen uh, does the same thing. But it all goes wrong, obviously, for him. Was Nick a very good Winston Churchill? Nick was a, a, a very good Winston Churchill, actually. There was a whole Winston Churchill sequence. We had the orchestra playing the Murray Gold music live on stage with Ben conducting. Um, and they did a whole sequence with, um, you know, the sound of sirens and, and Second World War with Winston Churchill at the top of these very high stairs making a speech. <laughs> I think he was, a, he was a bit fatter in those days, as I remember. I mean, he seems to have slimmed down a fair bit. <laughs> so he'll need padding the next time he plays Winston Churchill. I think he will, yeah. So we've reached the end of the summer. How has your summer been? I've had a very busy summer, uh, actually. Uh, um, I've been, I've been doing various televisions. I'm I'm in a thing called Marcella at the moment, and I've done an episode of Inside Number Nine, and I've done um, a David Walliams film called Ratburger, and I also did a rather wonderful job, um, Death in Paradise. Uh, the new detective in Death in Paradise is Ardlo Hanlon. And the, the reason I say it's a wonderful job, apart from the actual job, is that they film it in Guadeloupe in the Caribbean. Um, and it's two weeks. And although, the, you know, it's early starts, it's filming, and I had a reasonably big part, so I was filming most days, it's still rather nice to be in the Caribbean. So is location filming part of your criteria as to what jobs you decide to say yes to or is it still just is it a good part do i like the script or in the end it has to be is this a nice part do, do i feel good that's the that's the primary consideration but however nice a part if they were to say it is you know in a glacier um and it's eight months and there's no weekends off um it, it does come into it, doesn't it? You'd have to think about it and a we're little not gonna, bit more. <laughs> and we're not going to pay you either. You, know, you, you have to take... There are various criteria, you know, money, convenience, and the role. The role is obviously... There's not much point in accepting it if you don't like the role or the, or the job. I mean, they'd have to pay you an awful lot of money for, for it, you know, to do a, an acting job that you don't really like because you're not going to be any good. Was that your first time in the Caribbean? No, I've been in the Caribbean. I've been to Cuba last year. Uh, I've been to Barbados years ago. And even more years ago, I've been to St. Lucia. Um, but I write, I'm a travel writer. I write for various publications, Mail on Sunday principally, Huntingdon. Is it called? What's it called? <laughs> Don't ask me. I've only been here a year. Huffington. Uh, Huffington, the Huffington Post. Oh, Huffington Post. Okay, well, that yeah. I know. <laughs> I, write, I write for the Huffington Post, travel pieces, and last year uh, in Cuba for, for that reason. Oh, okay. So with such a busy summer, 
Have you had any time to uh, watch new TV or catch up on something you've missed? Do you have any, or films? Do you have any recommendations for our listeners? Um, I really enjoyed Cormorant Strike uh, with Tom Burke and uh, Holiday Granger. The, uh, it's the J.K. Rowling. Well, you're not allowed to say J.K. Rowling. It's the is when she worked in the pseudonym. It's mm. a detective series, and they put it on telly. And there was something really appealing about it, even though it was, it, it, you know, it it was very retro in a way. All of the detective shows these days try to be hard and very relevant about modern Britain, and um, you know they're all very tough and they're about nineteen hours long. And there's got to be, you know, usually some sort of ghastly killings or sort of uh, child abuse or, you know, they're really, they're, they're really sort of quite garish nowadays. And this one was, was rather nice. There wasn't any of that. It was just the main thing in it was the relationship between Holiday Granger, who's his, he, he employs as a secretary. And she turns out to be a bit better at detecting than he is. And there was a charming relationship between them, which really worked, I thought. It was a very, very pleasant viewing. And is there any book or TV or film or theatre production, anything along those lines, that you're looking forward to now that we're entering the autumn season? Um, yep. How long have we got? Um, just keep going. Okay. Um, let me think. What am I looking forward to seeing? I've got tickets to Follies, which I know nothing about. I've got tickets to The Young Marks. Um, I'd like to see this new play, Oslo. I, I'm lucky. My wife, um, with her friends, goes to almost everything in the theatre. And she can come back and tell me whether I enjoyed something or not. <laughs> which is really useful. It means I don't have to see that much. And occasionally she'll come back and say, oh, no, this one you really will like, and then I will go and see it. Ah. Like Charles III, um, I went to see two or even three times. I thought that was brilliant. Um, and recently we went to see The Ferryman in the West End, which is very, very impressive. Um, and in the cinema, hmm... We do go to the cinema, but on the whole, I'm afraid it is usually going online and, and you know, getting, getting a smart telly, just getting it off all of these different possibilities. Mm -hmm. The thing I was really hooked on on telly was Bloodline, which is a Netflix series, the first series of which is absolutely brilliant. But, and you know from the beginning, so I'm not giving anything away, Danny dies and he gets killed by his own family. You know that from the from the first episode because that's what they show you that. At the, I don't know if you've seen it. Um, they show you that in the first sequence. So it's quite shocking. How is that going to happen? Um, and it's 14 hours or whatever. And it's absolutely brilliant, like Ibsen or Greek drama. It's all set in Florida, a family who own a hotel in Florida. And there's the um, outcast of the family, Danny, comes back. But he's a drug dealer and a this and a that. And he pulls the whole family apart. And you understand the reasons why. It's really, really good. But then, of course, series two, I got about halfway through. And you think, ah, they've lost. They've, yeah, they're trying to cover it up. And they're still under stress because of the terrible thing they've done. 
but somehow it doesn't have the motor behind it because he's got he's dead you know he's dead so you're just waiting for them to get caught and they probably won't be caught because you know there's a third series hmm. and they're getting more and more stressed and fighting each other but it kind of ran out of its its spin for me but when you got into it was it something that you binge wa binge watched are you a back to back yeah. viewer of we these are, we, when I say we, my yeah, in my family, we do do that, but more this year, less so because I've, uh, I've been filming a lot, I've been writing a lot, been you know working very hard, and you just have to stop, you know, mm, ten yeah. o'clock. <laughs> no, that's it. We're going to stop now. Yeah. Um, have you had any time for anything that you would consider a guilty pleasure, something that maybe you shouldn't be watching, but you can't help yourself? You mean porn? No, I don't mean that. <laughs> no, is no, the I mean um, I mean things that maybe you'd be a little, you know, cookery shows or oh, I see. antique shows. Do you, do you know I'm game shows or Dancing with the Stars? Um, I love Strictly. <laughs> um, we watched uh, the last series of Strictly. It wouldn't miss any of it. Um, I do love that, but I don't feel guilty about that. Um, I do spend. I get. I get more and more crusty and crumbly like as I get older and I spend more and more time uh, reading history and weird academic things and having binges of reading obscure things. Uh, I read more and more obscure uh, literature and, and books that are, that are really quite hard to get a handle on. It's probably better than watching 20 episodes of Bargain Hunt. So I think... Yeah, I'm, I don't know. It, it's, it makes you a bit distant to people. I'm beginning to get more and more like that, you know, a nutty professor who's, who, who, who can't remember where he's put his... You know, put the toothbrush <laughs> in the glasses. Because my mind's skimming around. I'm reading... At the moment, I'm reading... Um, I'm working my way through Bengali, in translation, Bengali literature of the Bengali Renaissance. Wow. Um, that's what I mean. It's obscure, and some of it's really hard going to work out the language. Not beach reading. Sorry? It's not beach reading. Yeah, no, I read it on the beach. <laughs> you did? Okay. Or, you know, or reading history of, uh, history books of obscure bits of his. And I'm getting, it's getting worse, and I get magazines, and I read them through each week. Mm. Now I know you're on Twitter. Yeah. Um, are there uh, is there anyone in particular that you enjoy following on Twitter? Actually, I enjoy following Barnaby, the director on the Big Finish show I've just been on. He has funny stuff, and there's a there's a comedian Australian girl who's been in Edinburgh just recently called Beck. Oh, I can't remember her name. Beck something. She did a very funny one. I've been following her. She's very sort of pushy. Um, and she did a great thing with like a whiteboard um, with pages that she turned to the song, the Edith Piaf song, Je ne regrette rien. Fantastic. But it was all drawings of a sort of English. So when it says rien de rien, she's got a picture of two asses pushed up against and it says rear to rear so she makes you hear the song in a different way and they're all quite rude and it gets ruder and ruder and she just smiles she just plays the track and smiles and turns the pages and they've all got a little moving like in a kid's book a little pop-up moving bit 
which she pulls out. And it's very, very nice. I really like it. It sounds like you stay on top of how, of today's comedy and alternative comedy. Do you, do you like where it's gone since the days of the comic strip? Well, um, old um, Ben Elton did a, did a fantastic lecture recently. I don't know if you saw it on, on BBC. I, w- I went there. I was in the audience, lucky enough to be in the audience. It sounded like it was going to be awful. Uh, the Ben Elton comedy lecture. And as we went in, people were all joking, saying, oh, so, so something really unusual being lectured to by Ben. Um, you know, we, we've all been lectured to by Ben in our time. But um, in fact, he, he Beck Hill, that's what she's called. Sorry. The uh, comedian from from um, from um, Edinburgh. Edinburgh, Australian girl. Her thing is Beck Hill comedian. Is her is her uh, Twitter address? Anyway, um, yeah. So we've all we all thought we were being lectured to by Ben Elton. What's new? But in fact, he gave a a great lecture. It was a defence of the audience sitcom, which is something that gets really derided by the critics. They all hate it universally you never get praise for an audience sitcom and it also gets kind of derided by the executives by the tv executives it's a very expensive form to make but it is a peculiarly british invention the sitcom five cameras four cameras which slide around it records the actual timing of the actors not the editor because you're recording a live event that actually happened and I don't want to rush him. He doesn't want to, but he is. Um, it records a live event that actually happened. You record the laughter. People think it's canned laughter. It's not. It's live recorded laughter. It's funny. It's a shared experience between the audience and the performers. And uh, he, he made a great defense of it to say it'll be a shame if it dies. Um, it never gets praised, but it's a it's a fine, upstanding thing, sort of thing. And he showed clips right back through Dad's Army, all the great sitcoms, right up to Mrs. Brown's Boys, Miranda, and Not Going Out, which are universally derided by critics and all the all the snobbish um, press, the media. And he even drew the conclusion, uh, you know, saying this snobbishness is is the good old British class rearing its head again because these are populist entertainments they have the biggest ratings they're hugely popular and they're funny and something about the idea of um, trying to be funny actually being seen to be funny not sort of mumbling under your breath embarrassedly um, the British find distasteful or the 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 snobbier elements of the British find that distasteful so I'm just summing up his lecture Mm -hmm. what he said which I thought was um Brilliant. I, I agree with that, really. It's not to say I would only want to watch audience sitcoms, but I think it would be a real shame if they died. I think they are a wonderful, you know, being funny. What's there's, wrong with that? There's room for everything. Yeah. We like being funny. People, people being very funny is very good. The Young Ones was an audience sitcom like that. And there you have it. The rather obscure Nigel Plano, charming, fascinating chap, 
and uh, a rather rushed ending to the interview, as I say. Uh, you'll be hearing much, much more about Nigel and his beautiful creation, Jeremiah Born in Time, a brand new original science fiction series from Big Finish, coming out next year. It's been recorded and is currently in post-production. Nick, we must crack on, otherwise this podcast would literally uh, be going on probably forever, probably for at least the next 25 years years uh time for another random release from the big finish archives to be dissected by the ray gun of truth or merely remarked upon as we activate the randomoid selector truck cue that epic music right right rand's got his rubber gloves on he's dipped his hand into the uh massive uh huge barrel of releases and he's pulled out the beautiful people Oh, right. This was the first series of Companion Chronicles, wasn't it? Indeed you do. Yeah, I, I do. Yeah. I do believe so. Although it's not... Um, yes, no, it is. Yeah, no, you are right. You are right. It's by Johnny Morris, I think. I haven't typed it in yet. Well, I was just typing it then. I haven't found it yet. Come on, come on. There we are. Oh, it's the well-mannered war has come up. I see the old, uh, the old search engine on the site is working really well. It's gone <laughs> completely, completely random. That is weird. Even more random than the randomoids uh, to Tron. Oh, there it is. The beautiful people. Uh, yeah. Let's hear the trailer. We emerged into the gardens, our footsteps crunching on the gravel pathway. The air was cool and heady with orange blossom. Ahead, the path led to a plush expanse of lawn and a country mansion in the Neo-Georgian style. Aha! Earth-like atmosphere, normal gravity, observed the Doctor, sniffing and bouncing on his heels. Too good to be true, almost. Hmm, rather gauche, if you ask me, I replied. Uh, I would say it's rather gauche, yes, agreed the doctor. And then he halted in his tracks. One hand raised. Hello? Look! Aliens! A group of about a dozen creatures were jogging breathlessly across the lawn towards us. I could not help but notice they were all considerably overweight. Their arms and legs quivering as they ran, their faces flushed and shiny with the exertion. Hop, hop, hoppity, hop, no pain, no gain, no pain, no gain. At the head of the group hovered a cylindrical robot barking out instructions in an overexcited drone. We watched as the joggers heaved their way past us, each wearing an expression of intense concentration, as though attempting to stay alive through sheer optimism. I turned to the doctor, who had adopted his usual boggle-eyed expression. A world of fitness fanatics? You know what this means. No? What? I asked him. No donuts, he pouted. It's going to be all carrots and celery, and if there's one thing I can't stand, Romana, it's celery. Um, I've several reasons uh, for remembering this one well. It's because it was it happened, you know, right on my first few months of doing um, being the executive producer of Big Finish, and uh, also the Companion Chronicles was my idea. It's a thing I, I I came up with the idea, and it was it had a very troubled beginning in that um, Ian Farrington, who worked for Big Finish, was going to produce it, and he was supposed to be doing it, and then he stopped, and then John Ainsworth was meant to be uh, producing it, but then I had to reallocate him in an emergency to the Doctor Who main range, so um, we uh, took on a chap called Mark J Thompson, 
who did a, a fantastic job of organising it and recording it all in a studio out near where he lived, um, north of London somewhere. And uh, everyone went there to do it. And this was a last-minute replacement script. Uh, I think Mark had written a script that hadn't quite worked out. And so I needed a last-minute replacement. And Alan Barnes said to me, why don't you get Johnny Morris to do a, a Romana story? He, he said he'd just love it and he'd be brilliant. And so Johnny pulled this out of the hat really, really quickly. It's so Douglas Adams-esque. And Lala really enjoyed it. I'd already met Lala before, but um, I met her again on this and, uh, and got on with her really well. Um, and it was, uh, yeah, it's, it's a lovely, lovely production. And uh, this first run of four uh, Companion Chronicles really set up the series for its, uh, you know, later bigger successes and, you know, went on from strength to strength and still continues today. It's worth a listen, definitely. So they go the origin almost of the Companion Chronicles yeah. there. So that is the Beautiful People, uh, which released January 2007. So hit it up, people. It's well worth a listen. And so, as the podcast fades away in our memories, like some lost, wiped episode that someone kept in their shed for too long, and it has just disintegrated into dust, the episode, not the shed, obviously, the shed probably did catch fire and exploded or something, terrible statistics about sheds exploding please i'm in a shed well, well don't read the statistics nick there's horrible horrible stories uh, I've, I've no idea what i'm talking about now uh, anywhere uh, here's nick <laughs> with a round mass that's just a massive photo of lala ward on my script for some reason <laughs> here's nick with a round around what a, what has gone on hold on oh, oh i know i know what's happened What's it's because it's because I was on I was looking on the behind the scenes um, thingy of yeah. uh, beautiful people and I think as I went to switch tabs to the thing I think I dragged a photo by mistake. But needless is to say, a photograph of Lala Ward it was behind the scenes. Oh yeah, it's in the behind the scenes thing of just Lala Ward. It just took up my whole script. <laughs> like, Lala Ward has invaded. <laughs> I thought it was some gag. Oh dear. Anyway, well, I, I genuinely don't know what I'm talking about now. Anyway, so here's Nick with a roundup of the latest Big Finish releases out there for you to plug into your brains. Not literally. Uh, there are some horrible statistics about that too. Uh, but almost literally, obviously. Nick, take it away. As you'll know from the news, a load of stuff coming out this week, but available right now, Doctor Who short trips the ingenious gentleman Adric of Alzarius, starring Matthew Wardhouse. There's a 15-minute tease of it coming up very soon in this very podcast. Plukla. I can't say the word podcast. Plukla. a bit of a handicap. Uh, plenty of other great stuff. Don't forget, with the Sixth Doctor adventure, the middle coming out this week, you can download episode one for free. Yes, free! But you can also, in the meantime, be wrapping your ear things around the Eighth Doctor Time War box set. Great reviews king lear going down a storm oh, torchwood aliens among us part two hard-hitting unmissable blake seven crossfire part one vintage space opera heaven and dark shadows the tony and cassandra C cassandra cassandra mysteries i get that wrong every issue uh, spooky <laughs> detective action that'll thrill you to bits and more what a lovely lot to choose from 
Thanks, Nick. Coming up very soon indeed, a 50-minute tease of the ingenious gentleman Adric of Alzarius, a Doctor Who short trip performed by Matthew Waterhouse of Adric fame. Uh, we realise that 15 minutes is very nearly half of an entire short trip, but we think that this range is so fantastic that it deserves a really thunderous bit of teasing. So enjoy it with our compliments. And to round off the podcast, an interview with Dan Dan Dan, producer and director Andrew Mark Saul. It was conducted for the BBC One regional series Inside Out, and we present the audio of it for your delectation. So, just before we disappear, anything to add, Nick? I'm just, you know, impatient to get my vegetable soup that Steph's Ooh, making. Lovely. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm impatient to, uh, to go and eat uh, some bread, which isn't downstairs, which forces me to go down to the corner shop to buy the bread, to bring it uh, back to eat the bread. So You're not going to go to Tesco's because you tweeted that Tesco's was playing The Stripper. Oh God! Da, 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 that was the weirdest da, da, da. thing ever. I was, it was, it was actually Waitrose. I went to go get my, um, my, uh, my flu jab, which for some reason takes place in Waitrose, and there's a little Boots pharmacy there. So I went You're there. having a flu jab at your age? No, apparently uh, this year um, it's, everybody should be getting a flu jab. Apparently, apparently it's a bad. It's going to be going to be a bad year for the flu guys. Uh, Australia have been hit be. really hard, so I, I, I thought, you know what? Don't take the risk. But apparently everybody should. Just what I'm saying. Dr. Benji uh, here. Wow, um, I've not been told that at all. That's, that's not just... Not everybody. I thought it was children and old people. Normally, but I think this year it's particularly bad. But anyway, who knows? I could just be giving out medical advice on the podcast. But anyway, um, I went to, to Waitrose there and I was walking along and I thought, oh, I better just get a few bits and bobs. Then all of a sudden, out of nowhere on the tannoy, I heard the... And I just... And it didn't last for very long. It was only and about everyone sort of... in the shop started taking their clothes off. Oh well, I nearly did, but I was in the uh, I was in the freezer section, so I thought twice. <laughs> I thought better of it, but, um, but it was quite a frightening moment. For obvious God, reasons, what? listeners. Yeah. So, uh, needless to say, I think everybody chuckled, but it was very strange. I have no idea why that, that happened, weird? but uh, it made it made for a great tweet, if nothing else. <laughs> Lovely. Uh, so now, uh, time for a whacking great chunk of Doctor Who short trips. Well, I've just had a message from Nigel Planer. What does he say? Because I told him I was running the uh, the interview. He says, great to hear from you. Oh, he's going to forward links to the podcast, to his website and YouTube and Twitter. Uh, oh, yeah, he's very excited to get Jeremiah up and running. Happy to do as much promotion as possible when the time comes. Nigel, kiss. Ah, oh, lovely. What Thank legend. you. What a legend. Um, anyway, yes, yeah, sorry, short trips. Here it goes. Doctor Who, Short Trips, The Ingenious Gentleman Adric of Alzarius, by Julian Richards, read by Matthew Waterhouse. Somewhere in Lacora, in a place whose name most do not care to remember, the world was burning. Everywhere Adric turned, there was nothing but fire and smoke. He had lost sight of the Doctor, Nyssa and Tegan when the conflagration had started. 
The doctor had been buzzing his sonic screwdriver through the air, muttering something about an unusual energy emission. No indication of what he was talking about, or looking for, of course, Adric thought. The old doctor would have told him. The old doctor wouldn't have accidentally set a tiny village on a backwards world on fire. Not without telling Adric why first. Adric tried to make his way back to the outskirts of the village where they had left the TARDIS, but the smoke clouded his vision. He could hear people shouting and running through the crackling of the flames. And then he heard something else. Something louder than the shouting of the people and crackling of the flames. Something louder than anything Adric had ever heard before. Something like the roar of a beast high above him. The vibrations of it made him stumble and fall against the cottage next to him. His head caught against the stone of the wall and he collapsed to the ground, rolling onto his back. Looking up from where he lay, Adric could see the beast that had roared above the village. The flames licking around it made its glistening crimson scales seem to glow and shimmer almost demoniacally. Its great bat-like wings beat with such force that they fanned the flames of the inferno that was engulfing the village to grow higher and higher. A huge serpentine tail swung out behind it, ending in a tip that seemed razor-sharp even from this distance. Each of its four legs ended in cruel black claws, easily the size of a man. Its lizard-like head seemed to bear an almost noble countenance. Then, a mouth containing more teeth than seemed possible opened wider than a house, and a ball of fire burst forth, smashing into the cottage above Adric with unimaginable force. And then, just as Adric realised what the impossible creature must be, everything went black. Adric screamed as he woke up. Then he realised he wasn't out in the street. He was lying in a rather uncomfortable bed, looking up at the still smouldering remains of a thatched roof. Sunlight was shining through it, and he could see a clear blue sky beyond. Sitting up, Adric saw that he was inside one of the cottages. Everything ached, but nothing seemed to particularly hurt, which was a relief and there was a girl walking into the room. "'Oh, you're awake!' she cried, surprised to see Adric up and about. And then she hugged him. Adric wasn't quite sure what to make of this turn of events. He wasn't even sure who he was quite yet. "'Everyone will be so thrilled that you've recovered,' she said when she'd released him. "'Sir Kyoto's has been at your bedside every night when he wasn't polishing his armour. "'Sir Kyoto, Adric asked. "'Oh, he said you might have forgotten some things when you woke up,' said the girl. "'Sir Keot of Lacora, the knight of the gleeful countenance. "'You're his squire, remember?' Adric did not remember. "'The girl told him all the stories of Sir Keot that she remembered. "'His defence of the village of Turudden from the swamp creatures of the Enchanter. "'How he slew the vampire lord of Hydraxia.' his overthrow of the slave lord of the south. As she spoke, Adric realised 
He could half remember the stories she was telling him. They weren't quite as he remembered, but he could remember them. Then a man walked into the room, and as soon as he saw his face, Adric knew he had to go with him. The man was tall enough that he had to stoop to get through the doorway. He was clad in armour that would be shining gold if it weren't scuffed and dirty. His helmet could barely fit over his incredible mass of curly hair. As he looked up at Adric, he grinned an incredibly toothy grin. Adric, he boomed in a voice that also seemed too big for the room to contain. You're looking much better. Don't you think he looks much better, Aldonza? The girl, Aldonza, nodded, and the man's grin seemed to grow even wider and toothier. Splendid, I'm glad you agree. Well, now that you've healed up, Adric, we ought to get moving. The dragon's cave is a long way from here, and we'll need to travel fast if we're going to get there before the doctor. The doctor? Adric asked. The man looked confused for a moment. He's forgotten, like you said he might, explained Aldonza. The man nodded and then turned back to Adric and grinned the widest grin Adric had seen yet. Well then, I'd better bring you back up to speed, he said. I am Sir Keot of Lakura, and you are my faithful squire. We're on a quest to defeat a wicked enchanter named the Doctor and rescue a beautiful princess from his magical blue tower before he is able to tame the dragon and claim the treasure it's guarding for his own diabolical purposes. Now, are you coming? he asked, holding out his hand to Adric. Or am I going to have to complete this entire quest by myself? Adric could feel Aldonza's eyes on him, and so there was very little he could do but take the proffered hand. As soon as Aldonza had left, he turned to Sir Keot. You know, I still can't remember anything from before the fire. Am I really your squire? Of course you're not, dear boy said Sir Keot. But when I arrived, the entire village was in chaos. No one seemed to know who you were, though you muttered your name in your sleep, and you were clearly in need of care. So I told them you were my squire. You're more than welcome to come along if you want to, though. I'll probably need all the help I can get. Adric looked at this incredible, familiar figure of a man, and his mind was made up in an instant. All right, then, he said. Let's get started. Kainin, Sir Keot's horse, seemed old and tired, but it was at least a horse. Adric had been presented with a small, lazy-looking grey animal that he was told was a mule. The mule was at least friendly, if not the most comfortable thing to ride. And so Adric supposed he had better count his blessings. Once he had grown accustomed to riding, Adric decided it was time to ask Sir Keot the question that had been bothering him since they set out. "'Who's this doctor, then?' he asked. "'I feel like I've heard his name before.' "'I wouldn't be surprised if you had,' Sir Keot replied. "'The doctor is an enchanter, possibly the greatest and most terrible. "'He travels across the land in his magical blue tower, "'and death and destruction follow in his wake.' "'I see.' said Adric. So why are we pursuing him? Oh, for many reasons, replied Sir Keot confidently. Countless reasons, more reasons than you can imagine. Well, four reasons. Firstly, I'm a knight-errant, 
so it's sort of my duty to protect the innocent and fight evil. Sort of your duty? Adric asked. It seemed as well to get the full picture. Well, it's more sort of a hobby if you want to be technical about it, the knight explained. I just got so annoyed at the wickedness of the world that I just had to set out from Lakura and do something about it. Do you know Lakura? Adric admitted that he didn't. Sir Keogh let out a wistful sigh. I can't say I'm surprised. It's a long way from here. It lies in the province of Gallifrey in the kingdom of Casturbarus, many miles to, well, that way, he said, gesturing in no particular direction. It's a wonderful country. It's also where the doctor and his vile henchwoman kidnapped the princess I mentioned earlier, which is reason number two, by the way. Vile henchwoman? Adric asked. An image of the doctor's vile henchwoman had appeared in his mind. Sir Keogh nodded. An evil sorceress from a far-off land that he found on his travels, he said. They call her Nyssa, of the land of Trake. Adric frowned. That didn't sound right. Her father was an enchanter of power to rival the doctor's, Sir Keogh continued. The doctor killed him and took Nyssa as his apprentice. The two of them kidnapped the fair Princess Tegan and imprisoned her in their magical blue tower. Something definitely sounded wrong to Adric, but he decided it was best to keep it to himself, and the two kept riding. It was almost sunset by the time Adric realised that there were two more reasons yet to be expounded upon. They had been riding all day, stopping only to share lunch with a friendly farmer they had encountered along the way. Now the sun was setting. What looked like a small village, overshadowed by a row of windmills had appeared on the horizon, and Adric thought it was time to raise the subject again. What are the other reasons? Adric asked. What other reasons? Sir Keogh responded, seemingly having forgotten their earlier conversation. The other two reasons why we're on this quest after the Doctor, Adric sighed. Oh, those! exclaimed Sir Keogh. Well, the third one is the treasure, obviously. It was not obvious to Adric. The greatest treasure in the land, you must have heard of it, though I suppose you may have forgotten with everything else. It's guarded by that dragon we met the other day. The Doctor and Nyssa managed to lure it out to that village. With foul magics, I shouldn't wonder. It's usually with foul magics. And they're now doubtless tracking it back to its secret lair and the treasure. Adric left the question of how they were supposed to find the dragon's secret lair. There were more important questions to ask. How can that dragon even exist? Dragons aren't real. Of course dragons are real! exclaimed Sir Keogh. There are legends of dragons on every inhabited world. Oh, I wonder how I know that. He pondered it for a moment before shrugging. I suppose I must have read it in a book. This realisation seemed to set him in a melancholy. No way of checking it now, though. We'll have to trust that my memory is less impaired than yours. But it can't be real. Adric exclaimed. There's no way a thing as big as the creature I saw could fly. 
And how could anything survive the heat of that kind of fire it was breathing out? Oh, come now, Adric, that dragon is as real as I am, said Sir Keot. I should imagine it keeps itself up through the generation of some gas which is lighter than air, which probably also serves as a fuel for the fires. And as for the fires, well, probably a... He faltered, searching for an answer before falling silent. When he spoke again, he was calmer and more subdued than Adric had ever heard him before. I don't know. And there's no way I can find out. That's the fourth reason we're after the doctor, you see, he said, turning to Adric. He burned my library. Adric could see the sadness in Sir Keot's familiar eyes. It was like seeing an old friend whose heart had been torn in two. I'm sorry, he said. It was all he could say. Sir Keot's mouth smiled. His eyes didn't. Thank you, Adric, he said. And then his eyes smiled too, as he turned to face the distant village. Now we had better step up our pace. We'll need to reach that village before nightfall if we're going to protect them from those windmills. Windmills? Adric asked, confused. They might be giants, confided Sir Keot. Now come on! Onward, Canyon! he called, spurring his horse and riding out towards them. Adric looked down at his mule, opted against spurring it, and followed as best he could. Time now to hear from Dan, 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 producer and director Andrew Mark Shaw, interviewed for the BBC's Inside Out. Andrew, there are many, many different themes you could have picked. Why Dan Dare? Um, it was really dates back to my father. He, he introduced me to the original Eagle, Eagle comics, and um, I was absolutely blown away by the uh, the artistry of Frank Hampson. And, and transported to, to strange new worlds. And, I, and in many ways, it, it sort of ignited my interest in space and space exploration and the whole concept of, you know, is there life beyond our blue planet? <laughs> but then, but, but to take that a childhood passion and then many years down the line for it to transform into, into your lovely audio adventures, that must be, that must feel like quite a privilege, really. Yeah, I mean, it's, I suppose that particular journey is about 25 yeah. years, if I think about it, which is quite scary. Um, but I, I, I love action adventure. I love popcorn movies. And for me, you know, the sort of Saturday Adventure series of the 1930s and 1940s and what how Spielberg reinvented it for Indiana Jones. And I kind of feel that Dan Dare had a similar potential in terms of tone and, and that sort of daring do. But also that it was very much very relevant for today where we need you know of a sort of somewhat un the uncertainty we live in now nowadays we're, we're in need of a of a hero and i think dan dare was the personification of a hero we all need well that's because that's the point isn't it you know if you if, if you all you have to do is replace planets with continents and the un are involved in, in the dan dare stories in the original dan dare scripts and um, 
it, it does still resonate I, I i think i think it does i mean the, the original comics are quite dated because i mean if you think about what dan, dan dare was born out of the the post-war austerity and you know the uncertainty of that era and and, and food from rationing was still in place and and it, you know there was the the constant threat of armageddon and people were looking for something that was a beacon of hope and that's what dan dare represented and i think things come uh, full circle and we're, we're at a time where it just seemed if we could update and sort of get rid of the sort of, if you like, the class heroics that were represented in the original strip, but retain the, the essential DNA of the character and what it represented in terms of a real boy's own adventure. But not just for boys, for girls as well, for everyone. That it, it's a, 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 I, I, I guess the, well, I realised the way of doing Dan there was having seen the, uh, the new Guardians of the Galaxy movie, as in the first one, I, and that was a little-known comic book that was brought to life with a real sense of wit and adventure and real characterization, very three-dimensional characters, and I just felt that Dan Dare was, was screaming out for a similar kind of treatment. But going back to your original love for it, it it's, what is it, what was it about you know, Frank Hampson and, and, and his artistry and his, original, and his original stories as well. What do you think it was that, that made it so iconic? Um, I think it was ahead of its time. I think in terms of the science, there was real science at play. Yes, there was outlandish worlds and, and alien species. But at its core, you had an incredibly strong woman in, in, in the shape of Professor Peabody, which was way ahead of its time. Um, you, you had a, a wonderful sort of character dynamic between Dare and, he, and his sort of Batman co-pilot Digby and Peabody and and and, and then you, and the alien characters they, they themselves who, who then bonded and, and banded with Dan Dare. I mean, it just the stories were very rich and and, and huge scope, but the artistry, the the, the colours and and they were so vivid. And uh, each, you know, each page was a it was a real page turner for a, for a comic. But that gives you a specific problem, because the, the rich colours. How do you then translate that into audio adventures? Well, the, the the beauty of audio is that I'm not constricted by budget. I I can do a hundred and fifty million Hollywood movie, but my only limitation is our imagination, or rather the listener's imagination. And blessed with great writers and a brilliant cast to bring it bring it alive. That's, that's we, we've been coined the phrase that we, we make audio movies, yeah. and a very immersive drama. And I think that 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 comes alive. You know, there's there's a an original film score, uh, which is quite unheard of in terms of, of audio drama. So there's a very there's a very Hollywood approach to to the way we've done our story audio storytelling. And it's been recognised. Yeah, though no, um, we we got a, a a best drama special for the New York uh, International Program Awards, which was was a lovely accolade, not only for for me being able to realise the, the the project after such a a, a long a long uh, gestation, but but for just an acknowledgement of the, of the writers and the, and the actors and that our belief and our passion that that has enabled us to actually uh, deliver what we've done now. So. It starts with a comic in a shed in Southport. It runs for many years. It's be, it's it's had guises in audio. Your audio adventure being the the, the the latest. Got to be a film around the corner, hasn't it? I I believe that there is the possibility of a film. Um, unfortunately, we we're not involved in that. But uh, maybe we've played a, a small part to reintroduce Dan Dan Dare back into the public consciousness. Absolutely, you kept Dan Dare alive. Well, I like to think we have, and I, I hope that we get a chance to do more. And certainly, the audience reception 
to date has been brilliant and and and, uh, and fantastic to see. How many decades down the road are we? And um, Frank Hampson's original work is still resonating. I wonder what he'd think. I think he'd be very proud that that his his creation, his baby, has managed to be to live on in. in people's imagination and also the beauty of the character a lot like Doctor Who or, or James Bond is that at different points when it's been reinvented and and reintroduced to an audience but in a fresh way that, that's relevant to of relevant to the times um, so I, I'd like to think he'd, he'd be looking down and, and have a, a bit of a wry smile in his face your father was a great test pilot how big a risk are you prepared to take to get back into space, Colonel Dare. Risk is my job. Ease off, Dare. Ease off. I thought you wanted Kingfisher tested. Not destroyed. You're sitting in five billion pounds of taxpayers' money. If there isn't a law against flying like that, the bloody well should be. Seven years ago, a strange vessel crashed near the military base in Lancashire. It was packed with technology we simply couldn't understand. Way beyond anything human. You're telling me aliens landed in Lancashire? There she is, Anastasia. That is quite a piece of kid. So, when do I get to pick the rest of my crew? You don't. What? It's just you, me, and Peabody. Is that a city floating in the clouds? It's incredible. We are the first humans on Venus. Mission Control, this is Anastasia. We made it. There. For God's sake, just shoot back! Unauthorized presence on the main. Well, Peabody, looks like your friend Sondar led us into a trap after all. It doesn't make sense. What the hell is this? Respect. Neo. I assume from the hovering throne that you're the Mekon. The title is Supreme Leader. Why don't I just kill them, Supreme Leader? Because. That is what a lesser mind would do. More humans will inevitably follow. Plenty of time to kill them later. Dan Dare The Audio Adventures. Coming soon. Big Finish. We love stories.